Hi, I'm Aaron Stevens from Nature's Path Foods. You're listening to Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one. You're not going to sing it for me? Three, two, one, maybe? The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one. I don't believe in science. Yeah, but then I'm sorry. Uh, I just like, it's like I don't understand it, so it's easier not to believe in it. <laughs> it's just a, it's a quick thing. They could be making stuff up, you know? I read that they said like cockroaches are like 350 million years old, and it's like, are they, or do you know? I don't know how to go figure that out, because that's what I think you're doing. I think you know that I wouldn't even have a clue to start to figure that out, or want to, so you're just throwing numbers out at me, and I just go, all right. I guess that's what they told y'all in school. Pluto's not a planet. It's not been a planet for a while. That's how long I've been out of science. Because uh, once they did that, they're like, like, you can't just jam Pluto down my throat my whole life. And then right when I get out of school, you're like, we were just kidding about Pluto. Uh, that affected me, you know? Like, in elementary school, I got a C because I forgot to put Pluto. And turns out I should have got above an A. That's what I should have got. <laughs> I should have probably been teaching the class because I nailed it years ago. That's, I never believed in Pluto. So, said it's too far. I go, you guys will see. Yeah. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will Good planets are hard to find Good planets are in the main This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts Every tree needs a champion Go to Bartlett.com Jet streams, perfect air And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Good planets are And for all you folks out there who were on Facebook and it said that, uh, not Dr., but William Moss, the garden boss, is going to be on, come back, come back. That was last week. Come back. Don't go away. It's not a repeat. No, no, no. We're testing you. We've got new people here today. Real, real live (laughs) guests in the studio. Really, really, we do. So we were just testing to see if you were listening. Okay, now I gotta unplug. Yeah, I can't hear myself at all All here. Let's see. We got. Let's try these. How? Oh, there we go. Yay! All right, and uh, welcome to the show. As I said, it's real. It's live. We're always live. We're on fifty-two weeks a Mm -hmm. year. Nobody ever gets a vacation on this show. That ain't ever happening. What what what's this vacation thing of which you speak? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know what that is. But uh, we're talking water today, uh, which of course is where all life comes from. Whether it's in your garden, whether it's in your aquarium, whether it's in what your bird bath, your bird bath, exactly. 
think of think of the birds. Um, your water bottle. Your water bottle. Even in your cup of coffee here. Okay. And uh, got one of those too. Yeah. There we are. So there we go. So if we're going to talk all kinds of growing things uh, and, on this and, and planet, and hopefully not in your basement, but we'll get to that too. Yeah. Um, I hope. Well, we we yes, we will uh, with uh, with MWRD Commissioner uh, Cam Davis. Um, but uh, we will, so we want you to stick around. It starts with Michelle Hoffman, who's a friend of the show, who's been on the program many times. Uh, she used to run the science desk here, uh, but she has put something really cool together that's going to be at Columbia College, uh, Chicago. That is called the Wave Film Fest. Uh, go to wavefilmfest.com, and she will be right with us. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. That's not just a tree in your yard. It's an investment. It's a windbreak. It's a natural work of art. It's part of the family, which is why you want Bartlett tree experts to care for your trees. Now is a great time to go to Bartlett.com and see what they can do for you. Did you know that winter's a prime time to have your trees pruned? One of the reasons is that without leaves, the structure of the tree is easier to evaluate. Also, it's a great time to inspect your trees for any visibly hazardous conditions or structural issues. It's also easier now to work around a garden when the ground is frozen. Even during the growing season, Bartlett utilizes the most effective and environmentally sensitive methods to control tree pests, such as beneficial insects to manage the bad insects. And did we mention that Bartlett is the industry leader in safety? Whether it's a small residential project or a major commercial renovation, contact an arborist representative at Bartlett and get a free estimate because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Chicago's first factory-farmed animal welfare town hall is coming to Dovetail Brewery on Wednesday, March 11th. Crate Free Illinois presents the powerful film Carnivore's Dilemma. This is Mike Novak, and I'll host a panel of animal welfare leaders from groups like the Humane Society, Mercy for Animals, and Food and Water Watch. We'll talk about where your meat comes from and whether it's possible to achieve social justice for family farms. Go to CrateFreeIL.org. Our last best hope for saving this unique fragile blue orb is the power of we. And it comes to Chicago from March 6th through 15 in the form of the ninth annual One Earth Film Festival. 26 films, 48 events, four counties. It's family friendly with screenings for children as young as age three. Venues include Navy Pier, Peggy Notabart Nature Museum, the Chicago Cultural Center, and more. Be part of the Midwest premier environmental film festival. Go to oneearthfilmfest.org. From boat to hand-delivered to your doorstep, you can have responsibly wild-caught seafood with convenient monthly home delivery right here in the Midwest. Once you've tasted the line-caught seafood from Sitka Salmon Shares, you'll never want grocery store fish again. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com and join 10,000 satisfied community-supported fishery members. I'm one of them. Use promo code MIKE25 for $25 off your share. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. You want to install a solar energy system for your home, but you're afraid you'll be overwhelmed by choices and jargon. You need to talk to our friends at Albright Solar. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions. They take the confusion out of the process and make solar simple, giving you the confidence to enjoy your investment. Harness the power of the sun. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. 
Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and uh, it's a song that uh, many of you have heard before, and I've, uh, I'm a fan of it, uh, and I thought this is a perfect intro for our guest, Michelle Hoffman Trotter. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And uh, you're a person. You're, you're a person who immerses herself in cool, clear water <laughs> all of the Sometimes time. Sometimes regularly, clear, cold water. <laughs> regularly, yeah. Uh, Michelle is uh, is an award winning educator. Uh, she's got degrees in uh, marine biology and law. Um, a faculty member at Columbia College Chicago School of the Art Institute, Roosevelt University teaches courses at, uh, well, they, they run the gamut from ocean sciences to, su- <laughs> to sustainability to law, policy, and ethics. But it's all about water and the water on our planet, namely, in your case, the oceans, right? You got that right. It is all about all of those things. <laughs> uh, and uh, you are also a filmmaker, although we have yet to see the finished product. Is that correct? Also, well, there's there's bits and pieces of it out there. We've actually been <laughs> like I said, uh, working with we the have... University of Alaska. Uh-huh. Well, some of the pieces are finished. There are some short films out there, and we've actually done some pretty cool things for educators uh-huh. um, in concert with this relationship we have we have with the University of Alaska. So there's actually been some progress since we talked. Well, the, and the name of that is microcosm. I guess on the whole, that's what uh, it's referred to yep. as microcosms. Yep. So when you're when you're googling it. Uh, you got to look up Microcosm the film to track down yeah. that. Uh, and That's that, right. And, uh, you know, of course, there's all the other social media pages and that sort of thing. So tell us, give us the elevator speech about Microcosm. Well, Microcosm is a film, but it's also a combination of really what we're trying to do with the film festival, which is multimedia arts that are coming together. We're bringing together. Well, no, no, no. Stop, 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 stop. Uh, let's let's just go to microcosm, and then we'll make that segue into the film festival, okay? Because I, w- I want folks to know to get the idea of what it is that you've been doing since what twenty thirteen, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a project that looks at the microscopic universe in the ocean, but traverses that all the way up to us as humans. Uh, so, so it's got. What, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. So it's got it's got critters yes. in it. <laughs> It is it is the ultimate creature feature uh, when you think about it. <laughs> Little so, critters, you know, because it's, it's it's the really tiny stuff that you don't see necessarily naked with your eye, but that it's controlling the planet. It's producing our oxygen. It's it's supporting our food supply. And I'm sure you're aware of this. Um, this year, the Alaskan cod fishery was shut down mm-hmm. for the yeah. first time in state history. And you know, this is directly related not just to the changing water temperatures, but to what the baseline of their food supply is, which is my microcosm, right? <laughs> so there you go. You get yourself um, a dig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So these are the kinds of stories that I've been chasing and working with scientists in the field. And, you know, these, these things take time. These are um, evolving issues, and they're changing rapidly. Uh, so we're doing our best to work with people at University of Alaska and Washington. We were down shooting in Florida. 
Um, so, yeah, we, that's what we've been doing is compiling all of these stories and trying to present them in a way that helps people understand that even if you don't live near an ocean, all of these things are going to affect you one way or another and, and what we can potentially do about that. We had um, uh, Nick Mink from Sitka Salmon Shares on the show just a few weeks ago, um, and he was telling us about the crisis in, in, off the coast of Alaska there. Um, oh, it's been terrible. And, and when you say it's terrible, how does it manifest it in your world? Well, you know, if, if you like eating seafood and you expect that you're going to have things like sam, salmon and cod on your plate, those things all come from somewhere. And when we see mass die-offs of salmon because it's 96 degrees in Anchorage, that will affect us. Even if you don't eat salmon, you know, it's still that link in the food web. Um, you know, and, and Alaska is one of our biggest fishery states, and that's going to hurt people's incomes and their livelihoods, mm-hmm. and that becomes an economic issue. So it's not just about the pretty little things in the ocean. We're really doing the best we can to make sure that people understand that it's not just about the pretty things. This will come well, but to I, you in a very personal way. But I want to go back to the pretty little thing level here. What do, <laughs> I love the pretty things. <laughs> I know you do because you, you're shooting them all the time with your cameras, and and you're 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 diving in there. I mean, you've been a you you have a unique perspective because you've been all over the world, uh, in our seas and in our oceans for the last seven years. So you go to warm climes, you go to to cold climes, and you get to see the change firsthand in a way that I think a lot of other people have not experienced. Am I wrong about that? Oh, no, you're so, so right about that. And it made me, what you just said, made me think of a time that I was working with one of my student interns in Hawaii, and we came out of this dive, and she's going, oh, that was the greatest thing. And I saw turtles and fish, and I'm going, the whole reef is dead. Because I've seen that reef since 86. That was wow. her first time three years ago. It's not the same place. Where are you it's noticing not. most of the change occurring? Where have you seen the, the, the biggest shifts? You know, I see it all around us because the the truth of the matter is that no matter where I am, whenever we're towing for plankton with those really mm-hmm. tiny mesh nets, we find microplastics in the remote places mm-hmm. of the world. That you can't really escape it. There is no such thing as a way. Our whole ocean is connected, so there is no such thing as that thing happening over there or that thing happening over there. It's it's totally universal, and it's really frightening. So, uh, with that in mind. Uh, and and we're going to get to the Wave Film Fest. Hang on, I know I know you're eager to tell us about that, and, <laughs> and, and we're eager to hear about it. But um, give me some uh, sense. And you talk about microplastics, where you've seen them, where you didn't expect something like that, and uh, what might have been the consequences of that. Sure. Well, I think when we were, um, about two years ago, we were shooting in the Socorro Islands, um, you know, out of Mexico. You leave out of Cabo, and it's about a 24- 30-hour boat ride, and you're going out to basically the middle of the ocean where these sea pinnacles rise up, and so big animals like hammerhead sharks and mantas congregate there. And we were doing plankton toes, and I'm going, holy cow, there's little chunks of white and blue plastic in here. And, you know, thinking about the manta rays and the whales that are there in that location, what are they eating? They're eating my microcosm. And these little microscopic critters are eating those plastic bits, you know. Um, So we are looking at how that's traversing up through the food web, which means if you're eating any of those animals, not that people here are eating whales, but if you're eating any animals that are part of that food web, you're consuming plastic too. 
Yikes. Now, how, what, about, yeah. what about the populations of plankton and the other creatures you're seeing out there? Uh, how, are, how have they been affected in the last seven years? And I guess I would have to say the last 30 or 40 years. Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, one of the things that really um, shocked me this past year was seeing that now this temper has made its way up into the Arctic. And there's what, what they call phocene distemper. And distempers, you know, that's what you get your dogs vaccinated against. Mm. But we're finding it in um, seal and walrus populations because what's happening is you got to kind of think of water like a highway. You know, if a warm water current comes through somewhere, it's like opening a corridor. It's like traveling down that highway. So now you've got these microorganisms that are finding a suitable highway that's in their temperature range and their bandwidth. And it's literally kind of conveyor belting them into spaces that we haven't seen them before. And, you know, for us in the scientific community, it's a real scramble to keep ahead of these issues and figure out, you know, how that's going to impact, for example, mammal populations up there, because distemper is one of those things that can traverse across different mammal populations. It's not species-specific, necessarily. Wow. See, the last thing in the world I expected to hear on my radio show was that distemper (laughs) was in the Arctic Ocean, okay? (laughs) That's that's stunning and it's terrifying. And it's nothing the, that's ever reported on. Yeah, it's, I've never, I've never. Yeah. I, you're breaking news here on this show right now, Michelle. Okay, <laughs> nobody's nobody. Sorry to rock you this hard on a Sunday. No, morning. but it's it's stuff you don't hear about. It's always like you said. It's over there. It's it's out there. It's not in our backyards, but it really is. You're right, Peggy, and that's why we're here, right? <laughs> so uh, you've been sh- shooting all of this. You, you you dive in there. You've got these amazing cameras. Uh, you've got the microscopes where you, you're, you're shooting also the, uh, the microcosm, um, and you've put together small films of this. You're putting together more mm-hmm. films. This is an ongoing project, isn't it? It's a massive project because, to be honest with you, it has snowballed into something so much bigger than I ever anticipated when I started it. Um, you know, we're finding chapters of information here, not just a 90-minute film. We're literally finding volume. Wow. All right. So yeah. with that in mind, let's make a segue here because you, having done this, I'm sure your 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 motivation is – the rest of the world needs to know about this because not only am I doing this this work out there, there are tons of people. Well, I wouldn't say tons. There are some really good filmmakers out there who are also trying to show us what's going on in our waters. Is that Was that kind of the impetus for bringing this film festival together? It really was. You know, it was just, it, it, this is a way for people to find out about this really hidden universe who maybe aren't scuba divers or never thought about science or, um, you know, just really never thought about it at all. And and the goal here is to really get multimedia about this, people who specialize in different forms of communication, because, you know, at the end of the day, we all sort of speak different languages and scientists are, you know, we're a weird breed anyway. Um, <laughs> so the goal is to try to get people having meaningful conversations across whatever vehicle it is that you use, whether it's fine art, whether it's journalism. You know, we we all have to find a way to engage in these conversations. And so, yes, a big part of what we're doing at WAVE is film-related, but we've got photographers, we've got a fine art gallery, we've got hands-on exhibits with microscopes that, you know, very family-friendly, by the way. So the goal is to just ignite this conversation, to get people thinking about this in ways that they never have before. Uh, and I, 
I, I, I'm going to assume that you have not seen every film that, because there's a lot of films. I mean, uh, it's, it's, this yeah. is, this is a one day event and it's, it's eight hours, which is a long time anyway, yeah. from, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at Columbia College, Chicago. On March 29th. I don't know if we said no, that. No, no, no. February 29th. I mean, February 29th. Sorry. On February 29th. Yes. Um, on the leap year day. Um, and so I assume you have not seen these, but the point is you're not going to be sitting through two hour films every time you walk into the auditorium, right? These are mainly. Oh, not at all. No, uh, uh-uh. you know, those are just kind of our highlight sessions with the films, but there's panel discussions, there's round tables where you mm-hmm. can sit down with the makers and actually talk about how they got the film footage and what equipment did they, you know, anything that comes to a person's mind, anything that they want to know about how people do this kind of work. Actually. Um, so no. Actually, the point. Yeah, lots going on. (laughs) Well, no, no, I know. I want to get to that too. But the point I was going to make is that the films are shorter films. They're not. Oh yeah, they're they're all short uh, format films, ten minutes or less. Okay, so that's that's the idea too. Is that okay? Now you're going to get teased. You're going to have your your mind stimulated, and then you're going to discuss this with like-minded people in the room, including our meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Um, who, yes, at who, noon. <laughs> uh, who will be there? Uh, and I look at some of these titles: Whale Song, uh, Protecting Waters, Exploring Yellowstone. Yeah, I mean, that one was. I'm thinking, wow! wow I've been to Yellowstone, mm-hmm. and I can understand how cool that would be to have film. How do you do it without melting the cameras? Is what I want to know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the kind of question people will be able to ask because the two young women who made that film, Alex Rose and Jennifer Idol, are um, the organizers. We actually pulled this together, so that's one I have seen. <laughs> oh, and okay. Which ones have you seen? It's going to knock your socks off. Oh, really? Oh, I, I've seen a bunch of them. Okay. I'm sorry? Uh, no, 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 that's okay. Uh, Arctic Symphony. Um, and, and, oh, shipwrecks off Lakeshore Drive. We're talking about Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chi- Chicago's mm-hmm. shipwrecks. Uh, and this is featuring music by Aliata Haynes and Jeremiah. Come on. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got, we've got a never ending list of really amazing things to share with people. And yeah, we've got a really rich shipwreck history. The Underwater Archaeological Society will have a table at the event. Um, so again, you know, you're saying we're local here in Chicago. What do we not even know about our own backyard? So that's a big part of it is local waters too. It's not just the ocean. Uh, okay. I'll tell you what, have you got two seconds? Can you stick around for, for one more segment? For with you, them? always. Okay. All right. That's Michelle Hoffman Trotter. We are talking about, uh, the, uh, Wave Film Fest, which is coming up at the end of February. Uh, you can go to wavefilmfest.com. You need to come to Chicago just to be part of this. Uh, if you're not here already, it's the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki and we'll be right back. This is Mike Novak. For weeks, Peggy and I have been talking about how easy it is to support clean energy thanks to Hero Power. And now they're backing that up by offering you $25 off to join the Hero Power Clean Energy Program. You get 100% of your electricity consumption matched with Green E certified renewable energy certificates every time you pay your electric bill. Plus, you'll never pay more than the ComEd rate. You'll know where your money is going without extra costs or 
termination fees. Your bill doesn't change. Your service doesn't change. You still pay the ComEd basic electric rate. Sign up in less than two minutes and Hero Power will handle the rest. Plus, you can get a $25 credit off your first bill when you sign up and mention that you heard about Hero Power on the Mike Novak Show. Support clean energy now at MyHeroPower.com. I switched. You should, too. Go to MyHeropower.com. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. While I was walking down the beach one bright and sunny day, I saw a great big wooden box a-floating in the bay. I pulled it in and opened it up, and much to my surprise, ooh, I discovered a right before my eyes, ooh, I discovered a... Right before my eyes. Yeah, I bet this happens to Michelle Hoffman all the time when she's on the beaches uh, around the world. <laughs> I don't know if you could actually hear that song. Uh, oh, Mich- yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's an old uh, thing from... Uh, hold. Uh, Phil Harris, 1950. <laughs> all right, just for you folks wondering. It's called The Thing. No, not the movie with the... the you know the monsters. No, mm-hmm. this is the thing that you find on you find on a beach. Classic Phil Harris. Classic Phil Harris. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got Michelle Hoffman Trotter on the phone. Uh, we're talking about the Wave Film Fest, the first ever. Uh, you know, some people say first annual, but you don't know if it's going to happen. It's the next first year. wave. It's the first wave. There we go. All right. Um, and we were talking about some of the films in there and, and what I would like to do is because you said you've seen some of those, uh, how, how many films are there total? Wow. Um, let's have a look here. So we've <laughs> got about during the, during the various film screenings, we've got about four films to five films per screening. So about 15 films or more. And then of course there's the films that are being shown in the breakout sessions as well. Cause some of those are film driven too. Ah, okay. So, uh, you know, we talked about uh, shooting the uh, the waters of Yellowstone. You said you've seen that, and it's amazing. What are what other amaz- yeah. amazing stuff have you seen? Well, you know, Howard and Michelle Hall, who they actually forged IMAX to the underwater world. They were the first ones to to, to bring the IMAX experience really? of underwater to yeah. Um, that's their piece that you've been mentioning, the whale piece. And you are never, ever disappointed when you look at something that's been shot by Howard and Michelle Hall. They're, they're, they're the gold standard. You know, I'm looking at this. It says, it's humpback whale images captured exclusively in 8K. 
with the yeah, red with the red exactly. helium camera during a trip to French Polynesia. Mm-hmm. What the heck is an mm-hmm. 8K? That's what I want to know. And a red helium camera. Come on now. Tell us what that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, 8K is 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 the new iteration. You know, mo- most of what's being sh- a lot of what's being shot is being shot in 4K. Most of what we've shot for microcosm is in 4K, but you know that this is what the world is is yeah. stand standing up for is this higher resolution um, that's constantly emerging. And so, yeah, when they shoot, they're using the top end. They're, they're, the, they're the cream of the crop. And I love Michelle because she spells her name the right way with one L. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it says they've, um, they've done three episodes of the PBS series Nature and five-hour PBS series Secrets of the Ocean Realm. So they're certainly... Exactly. So you've got, you've got the creme de la creme here at this uh, WAFF. The people who are uh, and I imagine you've met a lot of these in your travels over the years. I know them all. They're they're <laughs> uh, they're warm, wonderful. Just just want to share. Want to get the information out there um, and mentor the the next generation. Which is why we decided to hold this on a college campus because we've gotta we've really got to get to this next generation and get them engaged in any way that we can. Um, so yes, I mean Howard and Michelle Hall, um, our MC Paul Tater Deaton. He's another one who has literally traveled the world. He makes phenomenal films as well as being an entertainer like yourselves, you know. And and so we're really lucky to have these people who are willing to come all the way to Chicago to share this with us. I'm looking at one called Blackwater, and uh, this is one I think that would interest me. No, it's not that. Uh, <laughs> not what you're thinking. It's uh, what happens when you go deep, deep, deep into the depths mm-hmm. of the ocean. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it says a wide variety of elusive animals float along in search of food. And, and that's, what's always going on in the ocean, isn't it? The, uh, the critters are always, they're looking for the next meal or, or to, to, or to mate, to get together and procreate. <laughs> drives nature. Can't argue with that. Yeah, really. But black water is really cool because I think a lot of people have this perception of the ocean, especially at night, being a really scary place. And in point of fact, it's just the reverse. At night, everything is quiet. It's tranquil. It's beautiful. And yeah, there's this mass migration of stuff that comes up from the ocean depths either to avoid their predators or to find food at night. And so you see things you don't normally see on these blackwater dives when you're just kind of drifting in the midwater. You're not down on a reef. You're just, you're literally drifting along like an astronaut in the Milky Way, except everything's living. It's phenomenal. It's something that people just won't believe until they see it. <laughs> uh, you know what? And I'm going to say something right, in the here, right now, because uh, I want to get to another film, but I realize we haven't said yet, this event is free. All of it is yes. free. Uh, so if you're in yeah. the if you're in the Chicago area, you need to go next, next Saturday. Saturday from ten to six, ten a.m. to six p.m. Uh, if you and then if you do want to stick around and pay, you can support it all at the Wave Rave. Party. Right, there's a Wave Rave afterwards, so where where folks get together and have a libation and they talk about what they've seen all day. They talk about what they've talked about yes. all day. They rub elbows with the filmmakers. Uh, but it helps pay for yep. the event. But you have some great sponsors as well. And who who are those? Yeah, so Columbia College um, is multiple departments actually came together to put this on. So film and uh, cinema, television, arts, the science department, those have been the big sponsors. Doc Your World is another um, internal Columbia organization. And then Microcosm, we, we put our backs into this as well. So those are our big sponsors. 
So it means it, it. What you're telling me is that microcosm is doing pretty well. Yeah, we are. Thank you. Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're making progress. Whatever, whatever that means, we're making progress. We're doing well. We, we we still want to get out on the boat with you at some point. Yeah, I would love that. I would. Lo- we'd have a hoot. <laughs> uh, it, well, if, if I don't get seasick, uh, there's, there's if, things you can do for that. Yeah, okay, uh, I'll hold your hair, Mike. <laughs> oh, great! You do that while my. <laughs> While I lean over the side you know, of the boat, that yeah. vision just yikes! It's short right now. You can't do that. Um, anyway, um, and you've got, as we mentioned earlier, our meteorologist Rick DeMaio coming in to speak. What do you want Rick to talk about? He's going to be talking about um, climate impacts because you know that's another misperception people have is that the atmosphere and the waters are two different things, and so. He's going he's gonna to straighten us out on that and, and talk about how changing climate is likely to, has been impacting, but is also likely to continue impacting our waters in the future. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really good point. Again, we learned that from Nick Mink, mm-hmm. because where is the heat going that the planet is accumulating? Into the oceans. This is the chief place where the heat is going, and people need to remember that, which is why that and and uh, acidification uh, are killing the coral reefs. Uh, as you say, you know, you've been there. You've seen what they used to look like. You see what they look like now, and it's it's not even close. Um, right. I, uh, it, what, it, yeah, I, can I mention uh, Finding Nemo's Garden? Uh, Peggy, you mentioned that during yeah, the break. Yeah, it's just that because it's a little bit different, too, from the other ones of filming this experimental underwater garden off the coast of Italy. Yeah, and that is one of the ones I haven't seen yet. That was made by our MC, Paul Cater Deaton. So um, just going off of what I've seen in the past, one of the things that he's really great at is bringing something different to the table every mm-hmm. single time. He always he always keeps us on our toes, so I'm really excited <laughs> to see it myself. The underwater hydroponic biospheres. Wow. Talk about Jules Verne, all right? <laughs> yeah, as right. it says here in the description, Leonardo da Vinci and Jules Verne meet Indiana Jones. Ah, there we go. So uh, that sounds cool. <laughs> so what we got two minutes here. Uh, what do you want people to talk about when they come here? Obviously, what they've seen. But what what, what do you hope people learn uh, about our water, uh, that valuable resource? I want people to understand that it's not too late that we are a community of people that you can be involved with, whether you're whether or not you're a filmmaker, whether or not you're an artist, a, a scientist, any of those things. This is for the general public. And, you know, one of the we're actually running two panel discussions on everything you need to know just to get started if you're interested in scuba diving, because we want this to be a welcoming environment for people who are literally just wanting to explore and expand their horizons and find out what it takes to get involved in some way, whether it's through recreational sports or joining a club. That's why we're going to have a full floor of local dive-related mm-hmm. activities in the Women Divers Hall of Fame. There's also scholarship money out there, which is why we will want to really appeal to the college crowd. Mm-hmm. And you have a, scholarships to get out and explore. And you've got a silent auction. Um, Cheryl is on Facebook saying, mention the silent auction. <laughs> okay, Cheryl. Oh, yeah, we do. We have, we have a really neat silent auction. Um, we've got some amazing prizes, trip to the Philippines, dive charters down in Florida, uh, an antique lantanka, which is kind of like a mini cannon that was used for signaling in the Pacific Theater. We so need that for the show. we've got some really neat items. Yeah. I feel like you do. I do. Um, <laughs> 
But we, yeah, the silent auction again is going to support this because, to your point, Mike, uh, you know, we really want this to become a, an annual event. This is just the tipping point here. This is the the, the starting line. All right. Well, it's the Wave Film Fest, 10 to 6 p.m. Saturday, February 29th at Film Row Cinema at Columbia College in Chicago. Go to wavefest. Dot, what is it, com? Wavefilmfest.com. Wavefilmfest.com. Thank you. What is sustainable seafood and why should we care? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Sustainable seafood is seafood that is either caught or farmed in ways that consider the long-term vitality of species, the well-being of the oceans, and the communities that depend on fishing for their economy. In case you didn't know, our oceans are experiencing severe distress from environmental destruction and overfishing. The Marine Stewardship Council offers labels to make it easier to find fish that is sustainably sourced. So if you love your seafood without plastic microbeads and you want to make sure it is there for future generations, please consider sustainable seafood options. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. Whether you're a garden professional or a fervent amateur, explore cutting-edge ideas with landscape architects, designers, artists, and cultural leaders. Cultivating Connected Communities on March 27th and 28th is a gathering of diverse ideas and people at Allen Centennial Garden on the University of Wisconsin campus. You'll talk about resilient landscapes, environmental justice, urban and regional food systems, and more. Go to allencentennialgarden.org and sign up today. The Chicago Flower and Garden Show wants you to focus on flowers from March 18th through 22nd at Navy Pier. Admire displays like the 75 hanging quilts or two dozen beautiful display gardens. Participate in the Get Growing series educational seminars or the Make and Take workshops. Watch top floral designers compete in the Best in Blooms event or see fantastic dishes come to life at the gourmet stage. Be in the audience for the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on Sunday morning. To learn more, go to chicagoflower.com. I think people get the idea of compost, not as many people get the idea of cover crops. You're totally right. Wait, play that again. You're totally right. Again. You're totally right. Again. Totally right. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We get it right a lot, but we don't always get it totally right, so we like to hear that. Again. You're totally right. Again! Totally right. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki on your favorite smart talk radio station. Again. 2019 marked 20 years of faith in place, empowering people of all faiths to be leaders in caring for the earth. Not only that, right now is the 10th annual season of the Indoor Winter Farmer's Market Program. Enjoy fresh local food from November through April at Indoor Farmer's Markets, hosted by 16 Chicagoland Houses of Worship on select Saturdays and Sundays. Faith in Place accepts Illinois Link Card SNAP benefits. For a market schedule and more info, go to faithinplace.org. You know, I don't think that uh, Mark Zuckerberg is going to come after us today at all. He might for Phil Harris. You never know. Maybe you he's a, never know. He might be a big Phil Harris fan. You never know. Uh, it's 
More an Alice Faye guy. Uh, uh, who knows? It's the Mike <laughs> Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And uh, I was uh, noticing the other day, uh, how did this start? I get uh, saw something. Something crossed the inbox, came into my inbox about uh, food and uh, how the the rise of the meatless burgers mm-hmm. are changing the landscape a little bit. And then what followed on that, of course, was people saying, hey, people have been talking about this for uh, several decades. Or longer. Or longer. Why? What else have you got? Well, there? so a cookbook. Well, let's start with the one that everybody well, knows is Francis. Well, I was going to go to the or longer, or longer, but okay. Um, f- so Francis Moore LePay's Diet for a Small Planet that came out in the seventies, nineteen seventy-one, and then the twentieth edition, which is twentieth anniversary edition that I have here, and she and her daughter Anna are now working on the fiftieth edition. Yes, of the book. I saw uh, a video. In fact, I was looking at some videos mm-hmm. about this because the New York Times wrote, and they worked. Okay, now if I can find. The group here on my computer, because I was looking at some of those. Uh, uh, here we are, retroreport.org. That, that did a really nice 13-minute video with Francis. And talked about this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I realized is, oh, what's the other book, though, by so the way? So the other book is called Leaves from Our Tuscan Kitchen, Vegetables as the Center of a Meal, Janet Ross and Michael Waterfield. Um, and this came, the version I have right here copyright 1973 originally published 1899 no yeah and so this is what's the name of the book again? it's called leaves from our tuscan kitchen uh-huh and this was a what's, book is there a subtitle at all no no, no it wouldn't a ve- and, and, well and vegetables 1800- is the center of a meal okay. basically and so it is a it's a kind of mediterranean type flavors in it from 1899 and it's pretty much a plant-based cookbook and What's interesting about all this is that folks are beginning to realize that uh, <laughs> most of what we do is not sustainable, okay? Um, and especially when it comes to food systems. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be aware of that in a couple of weeks because you and I are going to be part of a panel. Well, actually, I'll be the panel. You'll be, you'll be running. I'll be behind the camera. You'll be running the camera at uh, the Crate Free Illinois Town Hall. Uh, on March 11th, where, uh, where they will be showing a film called "The Carnivore's Dilemma." Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not seen the film, so I can't tell you, yeah, what it's about yet. But uh, they they always do thought thought provoking things, and of course, Crate Free Illinois is about getting folks to treat our our farm animals more humanely. Mm-hmm. All right, bottom line. Yeah. All right, and one of the, one of the ways you treat them more humanely is you don't make as many of them. And you don't... And you uh, don't treat them as badly. Well, and you don't eat them yeah. as much. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, it's weird because driving down here just this morning, listening to a different radio station, um, have them talk about somebody said, well, if uh, a lot of people just decided to have a little less meat in their diet, we're not saying go vegan, go... Uh, more go, vegetarian, go more plant-based. Just go more pl- – well, and that's the other thing that popped into my head as I was listening to that. Plant-based is a marketing tool. You know, that is now the the, the phrase, well, phrase yeah. du jour. Well, and plant-based gets around um, vegan, meatless, vegetarian. It is, so as the industry is trying to move more towards people eating less meat, there's a lot of stigma. Someone's not going to touch something if they're 
meat and potatoes type of person, oh, vegan? I'm not going to do vegan. Well, but I might because, do plant That's based. because it has been, exactly. it's one of those words that has been mm-hmm. loaded like all the other words, you know, when you do something that's sort of on the cutting edge and people don't like it, then they, they label it, oh, you can't, you, you don't want to be a vegan um, or. Because it's weird. Yeah. But, so, but if you say plant-based, how do you get around that? So it's, it's actually what I was going to say. It's a brilliant marketing mm-hmm. strategy just to say plant-based. And it also allows for transitioning. It also allows for other uh, more flex diets. Um, one of the hot things is called um, pagan, pagan, P-E-G-A-N, which is a combination. Not pagan, but, but pe- pagan, which Dr. Mark Hyman um, follows, and he's one of the health gurus. And that's a combination of paleo and vegan, and that allows little meat. Mediterranean diet tends to be plant-based, but has some fish. Mm-hmm. There's pescatarian, which some people are probably familiar with. It's kind of vegetarian, but with fish or a straight vegan diet would be no animal products at all, no honey, no eggs, no cheese, no dairy, and in many cases, um, other things like no red food dyes and other th- and, and And as you're pointing out, there are many ways There's to many approach. many flavors of You it, do yes. not have to be strictly eschew everything mm-hmm. that ha- is part of an animal, okay? You don't. You can if you want, but there are many different levels of engagement. Yeah. Um, and all of them if we started, would help the planet. What I was looking at, and I, and I don't want to interrupt you, you're going to say, but I had this thought about I'm trying to tie things together. One of the things that we try to do on this show is, is look at the big picture and tie everything together. So here we have uh, Douglas Tallamy, who was on the show. Uh, University of Delaware just wrote his new book, which is, what was it? It's out of my head. <laughs> You know, and of it's course, a, it's that book with the bird on the cover. Because I know, I know, bringing nature home. <laughs> Thank that, you. You know, but no, no, no. But that's his original book. Okay, uh, nature's best, best hope. hope. Thank you. I, see, I, I'm going to have to burn that one yes. into my brain too. Yes. Nature's best hope. Mm-hmm. Just keep saying it over and over again. But he was on our show and he talked about how we have basically too many people on the planet. Now, when I was in college in the 70s. There was a thing called ZPG, zero population growth, mm-hmm. growth, whatever happened to that. And as he points out, we reached our optimum, you know, the, the maximum, rather, population about 1974. Yeah. So Pe- Peak people. Uh, so Frances Moore Lupe comes around and she's saying in 1971, she says, we have enough food to feed the people on the planet. Just stop feeding it to all our livestock. Yeah. And feed it to the and people. Use and that said, land for But for people she food. was living in a world where there were several billion people fewer mm-hmm. on the planet. We have it's so it's not just about feeding the people anymore. As um Doug Tallamy pointed out, it's about what's the optimum condition for keeping other species alive on our planet. Right. So now and we keeping ourselves alive. Right. Too. And we have to look at that bigger picture. It's yeah. not just about feeding things. It's about ecosystems and how do we keep them alive. So if we don't roll back the population somehow, if we don't start going a little more towards mm-hmm. plant based solutions, we're in real trouble because there's too many people on this planet and they're already destroying our ecosystems. There won't be anything left. Yeah. And if I can toss in a quote by Francis Moore LePay. Go. The more we align our individual choices with the world we want, it doesn't change the world, but it changes us. We become more convincing to ourselves. We feel less a victim and can do something. Very nice. Okay. And we should also mention that Elizabeth Alfano is a plant-based show mm-hmm. right here on the Smart Talk Radio Network. So you should find her show and tune At into three that. 3 o'clock? Uh, well. 
depends if you're in Chicago. where. Right. Just look for the Smart Talk Radio Network. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More to come. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Plant-based. tomatoes, root, and bacon. Yeah, I was just uh, throwing in a little, a little marketing there, plant-based. <laughs> plant-based. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, all right, we need to give away some ticks, right? Yep. The gals say, uh, Kayla, Hannah, we need to give away some ticks, right? You want to do that? Okay. So uh, we, we want folks to respond to a tweet. Is that what you're saying? So this is a Twitter contest? We, is can, that- we can do a phone contest, too, both. Okay. Well, um, so they're going to tweet out something about the Chicago and Flower Garden Show March 18th through 22nd at Chicago's Navy Pier. First person to respond to that tweet. And how do they respond? Do they respond on Twitter? On Twitter? Mm-hmm. But do we want to give do, away one on the phone too? Yeah, let's give away one on the phone too. So we'll, uh, one pair. And one pair of tickets. One pair each. One uh, pair to uh, respond to a tweet and one pair. Now, how do they respond on the phone? We want to do third caller? Sure. Third caller on the phone, and the first responder to the tweet get a couple of tickets to the Chicago Flower and Garden Show. 877-711-5611. There you go. All right. We got a couple of things coming up before we have uh, our next guest come in. Why don't you start, Peggy? I hope you've got it up there. So Advocates for Urban Agriculture has their annual Urban Livestock Expo for a Saturday, February 29th, another leap year event. It's a free family-friendly workshop. They're going to cover raising bees, goats, chickens, ducks, quail, and more in your own backyard. We were there last year. You interviewed a goat. (laughs) That's what I do best. (laughs) I interview fish. I interview koi. Oh, you interviewed a quail, too. Yes, I did. That was cool. That that was two years ago, I'm pretty sure. I don't don't know. Time flies. I know. I can't keep track of it anymore. I know. Haven't we been to a couple of those? But uh, I know we were at least one. We were were on the south side for one, but this year it's going to be at uh, Charles A. Prosser Career Academy at 2148 North Long Avenue. Oh, where in uh, Chicago, where they have the wonderful mm-hmm. garden. Yeah, there. Uh, I guess you could co- even call it an urban farm. It's an urban farm and community garden, and they've and, been Chicago Excellence in Gardening Award winners. Um, Had to sneak that in. Of course, yes. Please get that in. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org. dot org. 
And so if you want to know more about the Urban Livestock Expo, go to auachicago.org slash events. And it's really cool. I mean, uh, for you for, for you city folk who want to find out about uh, ur- urban animals and suburban and ex-urban and mm-hmm. far and country animals. And see a goat in person. There you go. The goats are cool. That, it's worth the price of admission, which... Is free, isn't yes. it? So yes, it is. It's very much worth there you the go. price. So what else you got there? Uh, the Wildflower Preservation and Propagation Committee, the WPPC as we like to call it. And I've told them, I told them like a decade ago, you got to change that name. And they said, no, that ain't happening. And I said, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, it's 28th Annual Natural Landscape Seminar. Uh, also, on, everybody's doing something on Leap Year Saturday. Uh, Saturday, February 29th at McHenry County College, 8900 Highway 14 in Crystal Lake. We've been there, too. Oh, many times. I've spoken to the WPPC, and we've we've broadcast from there. We're always doing something up there. Uh, Speakers include Chris Anker, Kelsey Shaw, Pam Carlson, both of whom have been on the show, Amy Sosenko, and Jessica Massaro-Nas. Uh, exhibits will feature native gardening services, products, garden art, and books. Now, this is 35 bucks early bird prior to February 12th, so we're past that. Um, uh, it's 40, uh, 45 at the door, but 40 in advance, And it, but it includes your buffet lunch. For information, go to www.thewppc.org. So you got to go www.thewppc.org. Org and um, they're great, great, great people up there in McHenry County. Um, as I say, it's mm-hmm. something in the water up there. Speaking of water, uh, we have Cam Davis out there in the lobby. He's going to be in uh, MWRD Commissioner. We're going to be talking clean about water. Clean water. Next, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. When it comes to tree care, it's all about the science. Well, there's love and history and family, too. But you definitely want the best science for your trees. That's why you should contact Bartlett Tree Experts at Bartlett.com. With 120 offices around the world, including Canada, England, and Ireland, Bartlett is the largest residential tree care firm in the world. Their work is backed by the science of the Bartlett Research Laboratories in North Carolina. They pioneered integrated pest management or IPM in the 1970s, introduced the first organic fertilizer, and now Bartlett is the first and only tree care company to research the benefits of biochar on urban soils and tree health. At the same time, they're focused on you and your needs, meaning that they'll do the right thing for your tree and you. Put science to work for your trees. Get a free estimate today because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. From boat to your freezer with a quick stop at your doorstep. Our friends at Sitka Salmon Shares want you to know where your fish comes from. They are committed to quality and transparency. Your seafood is traceable to 25 family operations in Alaska. They even put their names on the box. If you're not happy with your share, you'll get your money back. Sign up and join 10,000 satisfied community-supported fishery members. I'm one of them. Use promo code MIKE25 for $25 off your share. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. 
Chicago's first factory-farmed animal welfare town hall is coming to Dovetail Brewery on Wednesday, March 11th, when Crate Free Illinois presents the powerful film Carnivore's Dilemma. Mike Novak will host a panel of animal welfare leaders from organizations like the Humane Society, Mercy for Animals, and Food and Water Watch. They'll talk about where your meat comes from and whether it's possible to achieve social justice for family farms. For more information, go to CrateFreeIL.org. You should not have to fight for our planet alone, which is why the 9th Annual One Earth Film Festival celebrates the power of we. From March 6th through 15th, view 26 films in four counties at more than 40 venues in the Chicago region. From climate change to extinction to farming to predators to watermelons, there's something to change your heart and your mind and get you to take action. This is the Midwest's premier environmental film festival. Go to oneearthfilmfest.org. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on the Smart Talk Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up to get our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Sailing in a strange boat Heading for a strange shore We're sailing in a strange boat Heading for a strange shore Carrying the strangest cargo that was Ever hauled aboard If that isn't a theme song for the 21st century, I don't know what is. Wow. (laughs) Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, Have you heard, are you familiar with the Water Boys at all, Cam Davis? I love the Water Boys. One of the best on that record. Oh, I'm so... I still call them records, by the way. Yeah, I know. I love them too, and I play that. So, you know, and I play the Water Boys and people go, what? Who's that? Uh, they're a great group. Uh, they need to go out I don't and even listen know if, to it. Are they even together anymore? I have no idea. I haven't heard from them for a long time. Yeah. So, uh, but the idea of being in a strange boat, and it just gets stranger and stranger all the time. That is uh, Cam Davis uh, in the studio. He's the uh, commissioner, a commissioner for the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. Uh, and the Water Boys have a new album coming out May 24th. No, really? <laughs> All right. So uh, Mark Zuckerberg can go after us playing that, too. Okay, great. Uh, it's all about right. You know, it's uh, me, uh, social media and the royalties you play for, you know, even though we're a radio station. On the radio, we get away with it. On Facebook and hmm. YouTube, it's not so much. Not so much, right? No. Um, so uh, Cam Davis <clears throat> is here. He's been on the show a couple of times, both times by phone. That was when you were doing <sighs> – quixotic is the wrong Word, but you've described it as odd uh, yeah. at, <laughs> your campaign in 2018 because you 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 attempted to do something that had never been done before, and that was get on the ballot uh, in the primary with a write-in vote. And a lot of people wrote you off and said this is not going to happen. Yeah, for countywide, we weren't able to find anybody who had um, gotten to to that level. So it was that it was a really strange race, and a lot of people. 
uh, believed. And so not only did we win the write-in race, but we broke the statewide write-in record that had been set by FDR in 1944. I know, F- FDR. What, but, but, but the question I have is, why did FDR have to have a write-in? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I could send you down that rabbit hole, but I'm not sure you want to go. But I think there were some rules back in the 1940s that I haven't researched, but others have. And then you came back in the fall and got over a million votes, million, 1.1 million votes, uh, and easily uh, got elected to the two-year term for the MWRD. Right, and now it's for the six-year. Right, so, and that's how it works. Uh, generally, they, are, there, are there some permanent two-year terms, or is it just all six-year terms depending on who exits <clears throat> and who there, comes six, in? There's six-year terms. I happen to run that time to fill the two remaining years of a previous commissioner's term who had died, right. unfortunately, yeah. kind of at the last minute. Um, so that's they're they are regularly six year terms because Kim Dubouclé is also filling in correct. A term. Yep, and Kim is a slate mate of mine, as is Ada Caral Sepulveda. So the three of us are running for full six year terms. All right, can, and, and Ada is new. Yes, to MWRD. Yes. All right, let me. Can, can we get into the political weeds just a little bit? I want to get to issues, of course. Um, as uh, long we'll, as they're native weeds. That's fine. <laughs> okay, thank you. See, he gets there it. We go. The guy gets it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Get that man a donut. They're eating do- donuts in there. So <laughs> Peggy and I were doing some research along with our associates here uh, the other day, and we're finding all these different names that are running for MWRD. Um, there are nine but candidates, nine, nine, Demo- nine Democrats, nine Democrat candidates. Uh, a couple of Republicans that are apparently trying to get write-ins, uh, a couple of green, three greens, uh, three greens, and yet they're not on the ballot. It seems a little Byzantine to me the way this is set up. Can you can you clarify that at all? Yeah, the primary. Uh, so this is the way it works. In order to get to the general election in November. You have to go through the primary. Right. And I've been amazed at how many people ask, wait, when's the primary? It's March 2nd. That's when early voting starts through the 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Easy to remember. And most people used to just vote on the primary day, but now you can vote early. And so that's why you say. That's exactly right. Right. And we recommend you vote early to avoid the lines and on the often. 17th. Right. Well, <laughs> Sorry. anyway. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, so in order to make it onto the general ballot in November, the top three from each party, the top three vote getters, are the ones who are, make it through the primary in, next month. Right. Okay. So that's how that works. That's why you see Green Party, Republican Party, Democratic Party, uh, and, and that's basically March next month to filter out the top three vote getters to then move on to November. And then in November, and then in November, right? Then it is uh, the top three vote getters of all. So uh, um, among whom? Uh, among all of all of the top three vote getters from each party. OK. Mm-hmm. So, so, what, so in theory, it, nine candidates on the November ballot. In theory, that's correct. Yes. Um, and uh, but that's why the primary is so powerful and so potent here in Cook County. Yeah. We have a very high proportion of Democratic uh, voters. Mm-hmm. And so um, most people draw a dem- – when you walk into the primary uh, polling place, you have an option of drawing a Republican ballot, a Green Party ballot, a Democratic uh, Party ballot, and um, I'm on the Democratic ticket. So 
what we're looking at is the Republicans who have basically uh, opted out for, mo- you know, really fighting for seats there. Green Party has the minimum and the de- Democrats are uh, slugging it out in, in the primary to see who can go to November. That's that's exactly right. And, yeah. how, and there's three seats up or two? There are three, three seats, seats available. Correct. It's, it's hard. And, and forgive me for sounding like a dope, but if you're kind of casually looking at how the structure of this works in the primary, you can't figure it out from it's hard from the yeah. news stories. But think about it like March Madness, you know, with the basketball <laughs> that goes on. You've got everybody trying to win and the and the winners of the first round then move on to the second round and then move on to the third round until you get to, you know, that final that final round. Well that's what the primary is intended to do. It's intended to sift through um, the the vote getters and the top three vote getters then advance to the next. And round, I think which people get that. I think yeah. people get that. Except that the difference in this case is it's a, well, it's it's kind of a mysterious organization or agency, let us say, a mysterious agency to a lot of people. And we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Uh, unlike uh, Cook County Board President or Mayor of Chicago or right. whatever. <laughs> You've got your Republican candidates uh, who are vying for the nomination, and you've got your, but they're, you're not picking three out of nine, and you're, you know, it's it's pick the one you want, and then they advance, and that's how th- that works from from your party, and it's it, it's so it seems uh, uh, just a little bit confusing. To me. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I'm hoping that it's actually really easy, and that is that people draw a Democratic ballot. They will vote for me, vote for Kim DeBoucle and Ada Corral Sepulveda. It kind of winds up being that simple. And that's the, the Democratic slate because there the are Democratic other – there slate. are uh, – uh, The Cook County Democratic slate. Right, the Cook County Democratic slate. Uh, because there are other Democrats who are already That's commissioners, right. and That's so right. this is who they've determined they want That's right. to move forward. And, and Mike and Peggy, this is a challenge because with so many people in the race, uh, ballot position can matter, mm-hmm. and I've got really bad ballot position. <laughs> I know. It's just horrible. <laughs> I'm right. You want to be at the top. You want to be at the bottom. You don't want to be in the middle, but guess where I am? Right in the middle. I'll tell you one thing, though. If you got a million one votes uh, in 2018, I, don't, I suspect you don't have to worry about that. I hope, I hope I'm right, but... Uh, there you go. Ballot Which, position 125. That's what people have to ma- remember, 125, 126. 126. Okay. And, and the whole MWRD In section MWRD is way section. down on the ballot anyway. It's way down. It's, that's why you get – Well, and that's the, part of the problem too is that are people going to last till they get to that part of that's the right. ballot? That's right. You yeah. know, which has always been odd for me, um, you know, when you talk about do young people vote? Do they do the whole ballot? My whole life, I when I was able to vote, for the first time when I was 18 in Michigan, I ran to the polling place and I have never, I think I missed one primary vote in 40 something years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've never missed a general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fill out every ballot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I go to all, I, I do the judges. I research yeah. the judges. I'm on, I'm, I'm you're your like worst. You're a super American uh, patriot. I'm your worst nightmare if you're a judge trying to sli- uh, slide by because you have an <laughs> Irish name. Okay. Mm-hmm. That ain't happening with mm-hmm. me. Um, but I also know that nobody else does, or very few people do that, um, and it's disheartening. Yeah, it's I think gotta... it's. I think it is changing, though, and you know, as as we've seen, um, qualifications actually do matter in these races. And uh, you had you had mentioned the agency, and let's demystify that for a second. Sure, the let's Metropolitan do that. Water Reclamation District is actually 
vital to all of us in Cook County. When you shower, when you flush, when you run the dishwasher, that water has to go somewhere, and we have to put it back cleaner uh, or as clean as the way we found it. Otherwise, what we wind up doing is we hurt ourselves. If we pollute our water, we pollute ourselves, and we pollute our neighbors. The district is the preeminent public health agency in the region that that makes sure that we have clean water, not just for its own sake, but so that we reduce and even eliminate sickness, waterborne diseases. Um, back in Chicago in the old days, in the 1800s, people would die of of tetanus and diphtheria and lots of other um, pathogens. The district was formed to keep that from happening, and it's done a very good job of doing that. But that means there has to be strong leadership from its commissioners, people who are dedicated to public health, people who are dedicated to the public interest, uh, and and not uh, and not self service. Uh, and it seems to me one of the odd things about the MWRD, uh, as I was thinking about this and preparing for the show, is that it's it's an organization that's very specific in a way that m- many offices are not. When you're a, a, a city council member, when you're a mayor, it's you're a generalist, right? Mm-hmm. And in this office, you have we have it's actually a good thing for the electorate because you have a chance to vote somebody who's eminently qualified for it, and it's really kind of easy to figure it out. And you do have a background and is very focused and, on on the issues and doesn't have to cover a million things. What is focus? MWRD? Yeah. Yeah, that, that the candidates and the people we elect. Right. And that's the point is that focused. you get to look at them and say, do they fit? In, does right. the square peg fit into the square hole here? Right. Um, and you, of course, do because uh, you uh, your whole background is working in water. As you say, it's the only job you've ever had. Right. That's right. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. And yet yeah. he still walks into the lake wearing long pants in his photo. But yeah. hey, whatever. <laughs> that was really fun to do. And and. And uh, by the and, way, and I have that photo on the on the blog. Go to MikeNovak.net. It's uh, Cam Davis in the water with water up to his knees, and he's wearing long pants. <laughs> and Evanston photographer Ted Glasso uh, did that picture. It was really it was really fun. Uh, anyway, so yeah, qualifications matter, and um, I don't know why, but when I was very young, uh, you know, even as far back as junior high or high school, I felt like. If I wanted to do something to help the most people do by doing the most good, helping to protect our land, our water, our air was the best way to do that. Um, and I focused on water. It, it, uh, I've always loved the Great Lakes. We grew up not far from the Great Lakes. And so that prompted me to, to do what I did, which is go to law school and run for election and help uh, as part of the Obama administration. It wasn't the other way around. You know, I didn't start doing this stuff for the money. <laughs> It was um, it was to help the most people by doing the most good for public health. And uh, I need to bring in uh, your your old boss. Do not complain. Don't hashtag. Don't get anxious. Don't retreat. Don't binge on whatever it is you're binging on. Don't lose yourself in ironic detachment. Don't put your head in the sand. Don't boo. <laughs> now that was two years ago, but it still applies. It's basically you've got to engage. Yeah, you have to engage. And um, I took my my wife and my son, uh, who was then ten, to um, President Obama's farewell speech at McCormick Place. And one of the things that he said was, 
you know, if if you don't like what you see, I'm paraphrasing, but if you don't like what you see, pick up a clipboard, run for office yourself. And those words really haunted me as my son was on my shoulders mm-hmm. trying to see you over the crowd because uh, I wanted him to see what a real president looks like and sounds like. Um, and I took those words very seriously. I felt like, look, I've done this work of protecting water and public health my whole career. I should run for something so that I can help. And that is part of those words in that speech by that voice that you all just heard was a big motivator for me to actually take on, as you call it, this quixotic uh, effort. Cam Davis, MWRD. We'll be back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. To clear brush and briars from overgrown land, many people turn to heavy equipment. But Aaron Steele takes a different approach. It's not just a novelty. It actually works. Steele is the founder of Goats on the Go. The Iowa-based company sets up portable fencing, trucks in a herd of goats, and lets them munch away. Despite their reputation of being tin can eaters, they actually have some pretty strong preferences. And fortunately for us and our customers, they prefer woody brush species and broadleaf weeds. Steele says grazing is better for the soil than other methods of clearing land, and it reduces the need for heavy machinery. So we're burning less fuel, putting fewer greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. Steele eventually sells the goats for meat. We like to think that we produce and sell the most sustainable meat on earth. Goat meat demands little in resources anyway, but the way our goats are raised, we're feeding them on vegetation that is a waste otherwise. Goats on the Go launched in 2012. It's been so successful that it now has franchises in 10 states. That's about 2,000 hungry goats helping landowners reduce their climate impact. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Illinois has become a national leader in solar energy installation, and right now you can save 60 to 70% on installation costs. You want it for your home or business, but you don't know where to start. So give our friends at Albright Solar a call. Albright Solar offers a boutique, hands-on approach to your situation. They know the ins and outs of local solutions, and we've worked with them for a decade. They're good people, and they know their stuff. Go to albright.solar or call 773-887-6446. I'm going to talk to y'all people about water pollution. It's a problem in our ocean and it needs a solution. Pollution in the ocean takes a hit on our water. It kills fish, sharks, dolphins, sea turtles, and the otter. Unpurified water causes cancer in the body. So next time you litter, just know you're being naughty. We could be better people, throw away our trash. And instead of buying plastic, you could buy a hydroflask. Pollution in the water affects our atmosphere. We need to come together and make the problem disappear. <laughs> if you got oh, our, our, uh, uh, so uh, Kayla and Hannah are uh, enjoying this. Um, I'm not sure. The well, I found this on the on the used tubes, and uh, it's got all of 340 views. I can't. <laughs> sorry. I thought I'm playing that. Okay, I'm going to use that again on the show. Yeah. It fits. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, and and Mark Zuckerberg will never find that. All right. Let's hope not. Welcome back to the show. We've got Cam Davis in, in the studio, and in that. Actually, that little uh, rap takes us into some issues. We've got about, you know, eight minutes to to solve the problems of the Great Lakes. And all right, 
your background basically was the Great Lakes, Cam. Um, do you look at MWRD and say, wow, I really had to narrow my focus or the opposite? Wow, I really have to broaden my focus. I mean, Great Lakes seems like a, a really big deal. And then then here we are into sewers and water in Cook County. Right. So uh, it, it's it's really a broadening. It, it may be it's just a little different. The way I view this, Mike and Peggy, is, you know, I think there are a lot of folks who see their goal is to win a seat and then just be in that seat. Mm-hmm. I kind of see it as the opposite, which is winning the seat is a means to an end of talking to people and communicating to people about the importance of our water as something that's important to protect ourselves, whether it's flooding or pollution, what have you. So uh, I don't see, I see the seed as a means to an end. I don't see it as the be all and the end all. Okay. All right. Because I I didn't know if it was going from the sublime to the ridiculous or the opposite or, or it's just different. Depends on the day. I guess it it does. Yeah. And, and, Different types of research, I guess, that you're doing as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's right, Peggy. It's it's not just about policy. It's also about budgets and finance, which has not been my expertise. So mm-hmm. I'm learning about how to use budgets and finance to help promote public health. It's also about procurement and how we uh, give a more equitable shot to other populations within Cook County to have jobs things like that. So, you know, I've always viewed protecting the Great Lakes as something that is important to everybody. Mm-hmm. This office is just a different variation on that theme. You said something to WTTW uh, in a statement uh, when they were asking you. You said, after all, clean water doesn't just happen. It requires qualified professionals. And I nearly burst out laughing because, uh, as we've mentioned sometimes, a lot of times, too often, the people we elect are not qualified for the jobs they hold. Now, you're eminently qualified for the water part of this. You just copped to saying, you know, I'm learning about the budget uh, issues right. and that sort of thing. Right. All right. Let's get to the budget real quick. Uh, MWRD had, has a reputation of being a not quite transparent uh, agency. So you guys got the inspector general involved last year, which is a move forward. Is this a sign of things changing at MWRD? I do think it's a sign of changing, of changes at MWRD. And I really credit a fellow commissioner of mine, Deborah Shore, for helping to promote this notion of an inspector general. But for the first time in 131 years, we now have forensic accountants and attorneys who then can dig into where the money is going and to make sure that we're complying with policy across the board. And I think it's been a very healthy thing. Uh, And she's a hero of mine. I, I've just be honest. I've known her since her Chicago wilderness days. Yeah, she's terrific. Uh, uh, she she has been on this show a number of times. One of the things she's been uh, really pushing hard is pharmaceuticals in our water, mm-hmm. which I imagine you are a, as well. Get them. Do not flush them down your toilet, please. There are drop off points, and you can find that out by going to mwrd dot org. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. No, she's been pushing uh, for pharmaceutical take backs for a long time, and that is. If you have expired meds, if uh, you don't need to take as many as that as you had, don't flush them down the toilet. I would say don't even throw them away. Uh, the district has take-back uh, stations. Mm-hmm. You can also drop them often uh, at police stations. I, the... I just looked at it up in Chicago. I can go to the 14th Ward. Yeah. Or district, rather, 14th district, and yep. I can just take my yep. pharmaceuticals. And a lot is... of the uh, the drugstores, you can bring them as well, yep. Walgreens. Yep, we're, we're doing that. And, and Commissioner Shore and uh, Representative Gong Gershowitz have just introduced legislation 
that would require the pharmaceutical industry to play a big, a big role in take backs as well, which is huge. It's a big deal. All right. Getting back to the Great Lakes very quickly. Um, we're, the lake levels are at an almost all-time high. Right. And there's a chance we will hit that this year because we have not had enough ice. Our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, is going to be on uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, I hope you stick around for that because uh, we, we can introduce you to him, and he's fantastic. He's he actually to, speaking about the Great Lakes this coming Saturday at the Film Fest, too. Right, at the, the, the Wave Film Fest. Um, how does that... Obviously, the shoreline is is a big deal. Uh, what about flooding issues in Chicago? Does the does the lake level impact flooding in the city? They're connected, but it's just a little bit indirect. Uh, one of the reasons we ha- have high lake levels is because we seem to be getting wetter and wetter springs. You know, we just had the wettest May on record this past year, and before that, <clears throat> and uh, those wet springs are what cause flooding or can cause flooding in Cook County. So even though the lake levels are not necessarily connected to the flooding, the reason for the high lake levels is connected to um, flooding in Cook County. And it's basically these wet springs that we're getting. Yeah. So if I, if I read you correctly, you're saying they're both happening at the same time and they're, and they're, that's how they're, they're connected for some of the same reasons. Right. So rain, rain falls on Cook County Rain falls on Lake Michigan. It causes saturation and higher lake levels in these places, and those are connected. So one of the things that the district does and why these commissioner positions are so important is because we help with the the amazing staff at the agency to continue to build infrastructure, to continue to promote green infrastructure that helps reduce that that flooding potential. Uh, And that helps keep people's basements from backing Mm -hmm. up. I remember when our basement used to back up, and we want to keep that from happening. Now, I was reading something that MWRD, I think, is the second largest property owner in Cook County. Right, second to the Forest Preserve District. So with green infrastructure and all the rain, is there some move to put in more more, um, wetlands or rain gardens or anything to hold more of those rains on on your properties? Yeah, absolutely. And we're also educating people about what they can do around their own properties as well. I am the proud owner of three rain barrels. I love them very much. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't given them names yet, but maybe that could be a contest through WCGO at some point. There you go. Help Cam name his beautiful rain barrels. I think that's a contest right there. (laughs) They're going to be tweeting it out. (laughs) Hannah and Kayla love it. Um, yeah, they're but, all over it. Well, we need to be thinking about our landscape as infrastructure. You know, it uh, land is like a sponge; it absorbs what falls from the sky. And the more we pave over our land, um, the more we harden the surface of our land. Don't we'll, get me started. Don't man. get. Okay. Yeah, well, I think yeah. I might have just done that. Um, <laughs> the the less our land is able to act as a sponge, and that's part of why we see flooding. Uh, like we do. And other uh, ways you treat your soil. You know, I, I come from a gardener point of view and, and my neighbors who have kids and, you know, some people have kids, uh, their ground is very compacted in their backyard. When it rains, it turns into a lake. Mine drains because I've got a garden there. But, you know, some people can't help having kids there. So anyway, uh, before we go, you you said we need to talk um, about your brewer and sewer tour 2020 what is that all about <laughs> that's 
sounds like a t-shirt right there. <laughs> I know, right. Maybe not at 10.30 in the morning on a Sunday, but maybe 10.45 or something like that. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, I, I, uh, you guys are communicators, and I've always been fascinated. I'm a lawyer and a policy geek. I'm always interested in communications as a tool to help people. And um, I quickly discovered that one of the best ways to teach people about what the district does and why water is so important in an era where we take it for granted is to talk about beer. That's right, beer. Which is made of water. Yeah, about 90-plus percent of your beer is made with water. And, uh, you know, people hear about hops and grains and carbonation and all that stuff, but it's actually the water, the quality of the water in your beer that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So the Brewer and Sewer Tour is my way of turning people out to not only talk politics, but also to educate people about water through beer. I think that's a great idea. How Get them in the door. That's the important thing, right? And, and so where do people find out about your beer tours? Yeah, they go online at camdavis.org. Uh, we will have some more scheduled pretty soon, but we focus on microbreweries because I like supporting small businesses that are water-based. Okay, and they're going to look for you in the middle of the ballot. Punch. 125. Actually, in mine you connect the line which i makes me happy that i actually you don't have a fill paper. in the little thingies no they yeah. connect a line in in the city mm. where i am i love the paper ballot. Yeah. 125 126 127 cam really da- important cam davis mwrd commissioner thank you so much for being here go to cam davis dot org org we'll be right back with rick thanks DeMaio. mike thanks peggy thank you This is Mike Novak. For weeks, Peggy and I have been talking about how easy it is to support clean energy thanks to Hero Power. And now they're backing that up by offering you $25 off to join the Hero Power Clean Energy Program. You get 100% of your electricity consumption matched with Green E certified renewable energy certificates every time you pay your electric bill. Plus, you'll never pay more than the ComEd rate. You'll know where your money is going without extra costs or termination fees. Your bill doesn't change. Your service doesn't change. You still pay the ComEd basic electric rate. Sign up in less than two minutes and Hero Power will handle the rest. Plus, you can get a $25 credit off your first bill when you sign up and mention that you heard about Hero Power on the Mike Novak Show. Support clean energy now at MyHeroPower.com. I switched. You should too. Go to MyHeroPower.com. Do you believe plants have the power to change the world? We mean resilient landscapes, environmental justice, urban and regional food systems, pollution purging plants, and more. Come to Madison, Wisconsin this March 27th and 28th to explore cutting-edge ideas with landscape architects, designers, artists, and cultural leaders at Cultivating Connected Communities. A diverse group of professionals and passionate amateurs alike will gather at the University of Wisconsin, and you can be part of it. Go to allencentennialgarden.org and sign up today. From quilts to the INM corridor to plant truck, the Chicago Flower and Garden Show is going to surprise and delight you in 2020. Focus on Flowers comes to Navy Pier for five beautiful days, March 18th through 22nd. It features stunning floral quilts by the American Quilter Society, the Best in Bloom's Floral Designer Competition, the Garden Gourmet Stage, Kids Activities, and the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki live on Sunday morning. Go to chicagoflower.com for details.
Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. We still have Cam Davis in studio, so let's bring in meteorologist Rick DeMaio because I want to do a phone introduction, Rick. I don't know if you've ever met Cam, who is a commissioner for the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. Uh, Cam, meet Rick. Rick, meet Cam. Hi, Rick. Yeah, good morning, Cam. How are you? Good luck with... Um Good luck with your campaign there. Thanks. I'll be sure to punch, what was it, 125? Well, yeah, thank you. There you go. Rick, yeah. Rick knows, what, Rick's a smart guy, okay? He's, he's a really smart guy. Uh, but and in well, fact, that's, that's what you said to punch, right? Didn't you tell me what to do, Mike, on the air? Did you tell me no, on the radio? No, I did not. I said I, I just told you what the number was, and then that's up to you to do punch whatever do you want. whatever you want. I'm the radio guy. You're the meteorologist. Um and we were talking in the break about the evaporation uh, levels in Lake Michigan and in, in the Great Lakes. Or, 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 lack, or lack thereof during the wintertime. And Cam was explaining it to me because I seem to have gotten it completely backward, as, as usual. Uh, but how is it you would explain it for this season going into 2020, Rick? Um, well, first off, we have had very little ice on the Great Lakes. That means you have more water available for lake effect snow. So what we've seen is your typical Arctic outbreaks, we're still getting some very, very decent snow due to increased rates of evaporation across areas of Lake Superior, uh, northern Lake Michigan, up into Lake Huron. Uh, But with the lack of the extreme Arctic air in the southern half of the Great Lakes, you're not getting as much evaporation. You're not getting as much lake effect snow. And therefore, the Great Lakes can maintain uh, a much higher level. I think we've seen sometimes after a significant lake effect snow, you can easily lose one to two inches of water off of at least Lake Michigan uh, and sometimes even more off Lake Superior. So the bottom line is, as Ken was mentioning earlier, not only did we have the wettest May, but we also had the wettest climatological spring in the Midwest, and that means the months of March, April, and May. So when you have two consecutive seasons of extreme wetness, as well as lack of extreme heat during birth to summertime and lack of extreme cold during the wintertime, both of those extreme events produce um, less evaporation if you don't have extreme heat or extreme cold. So really evaporation is just the ability to transfer heat from one substance to another or one surface to another. Um, And again, lack of extreme heat adds to lack of evaporation. That means the lake maintains its higher level. Uh, Then also lack of evaporation or lack of cold weather during the wintertime means you either have less lake effect snow and also less ice. The less ice obviously impacts our shorelines, but again, it also allows the lake to have or produce more snow. Uh, And clearly we have not seen uh, extreme cold or extreme lake effect snow this season particularly in the southern half of the lake. I was just checking the lake levels, and they're almost, I think, about four or five inches higher than what they were last year at this time. So as Ken you know, pointed out, all we need is another normal, if not above-normal, precipitation event or season going into the springtime, and you're going to have the same problem at the end of the lake season or the end of the summer season going into next fall and winter as well, obviously when storms are much more intense. This is this is this is Cam. This is really helpful to hear because one of the questions that I've gotten more and more of lately is, well, why don't we just 
why don't we just send more Lake Michigan water out through the Chicago River? Or why don't we just build a big pipeline and send more of our water away? I think it's really important for people to understand that just won't have any immediate impact um, to speak of. No, it's really no. it's really the, the weather dynamic where billions of gallons right. of water can be sent out of the system in the snap of a finger because of evaporation and precipitation. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's basically the high degrees of variability that are not allowing uh, the lake to go through its normal fluctuations, which are up and down. And climate change really doesn't have any impact on whether or not the lake is really, really high or really, really low. It's, it's more so the intense degrees of variability from a standpoint of precipitation that's allowing them to go through their cycles either really higher than normal or lower than normal. So one of the things you got to be really careful about with the Great Lakes is they're actually a really, really small part of the global climate system. But it doesn't mean that you can't ignore some of these intravariational trends, which seems to be getting more intense during either the wet season um, or the or what we call the winter storm season. So again, most people really won't notice a high lake level unless all of a sudden you're taking a boat trip, uh, like a Chicago architectural boat trip, and they're asking you to duck your heads when you're going through the South Street Bridge which is probably what you have to do. Um, so when it, when it becomes more of an economic issue, uh, particularly when the, Chicago, the city of Chicago closes down three beaches and has no plans to rebuild, I think that's when they're going to begin to really think about what they need to do. But, yeah, sending the water down the Chicago River to the Illinois River, to the Mississippi River, is only going to make people in the Mississippi River Delta a lot more unhappy. That's not going to work. Wow. Okay, I'm so glad that uh, we got you two talking about that. And the other thing, uh, before we get to forecast here, you can maybe briefly talk about uh, the article you sent us yesterday, how the warmest January in recorded history yeah. uh, puts 2020 on track to be one of the top 10 hottest years. Well, I would guess if you're starting with January, you're already ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it was it was just released by Noah on, uh, I believe it was Thursday, that 2020 ended up being the warmest November or warmest January ever without an El Nino. And that's really kind of, that's really kind of unnerving here because typically the way you get real warm is to obviously have an anomalously warm ocean. But if you look at that map I sent you of the globe, most of the warmth is up in the Arctic where there's been a lack of sea ice. And again, that more than anything, as well as the warmth, of the Gulf of Mexico and the North Atlantic and also the Eastern Pacific is leading to each one of these storms coming through and really becoming more of a high precipitation event rather than just a snow event. Um, and again, we are going to see this coming through this week with the system coming out of the desert southwest, producing a lot of precipitation, maybe not a lot of snow. We'll definitely get some snow, but it looks like more of a heavy rain event for the East Coast and Southeast where they don't need it. Well, let's uh, let's have that quick forecast then. All right, so beautiful today up near 55, rain and snow tomorrow, high 38, but then definitely some snow on Tuesday, 35, and maybe two to four inches of wet snow by Wednesday afternoon, much colder by Thursday with temperatures in the 20s. See you guys next Saturday. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I just, re- real quick, uh, it probably made you happy watching uh, 
Chris Matthews get his hair wet during the Las Vegas thing yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. It was pretty funny. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll see you next um, Saturday. <laughs> I want, have a good night. Michelle Hoffman Trotter, want to thank her for being on the show. Cam Davis, uh, Kayla and Hannah, and Andy, until next time, go green or... Go home. Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.